We're going to continue with our series that we've been going through on the book of Philippians, and we're going to finish up chapter 3. Okay, so we'll look at Philippians chapter 3 today, starting in verse 12 and going through verse 21. Okay, so uh, as we've been going through this book, you need to keep remembering the context. So uh, when Paul says in verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, we need to look at the context to see what Paul is talking about. What does he mean that I have, not that I have already obtained it? What is he talking about? He's talking about knowing Christ. So if you remember from what we talked about last week, he said, whatever was to my profit, whatever gains that I had from my own power, from my own wisdom, from my own experience, from my own training, all of those things, they were a profit for me before, but now I consider them a loss because they prevent me from really being able to experience more of God, more of who Christ is in my life. So he's saying all those things I consider a loss for the sake of knowing Christ and being found in him. So in verse 12 when he says, not that I have already obtained it, what is he talking about? Not that I have fully known who Christ is yet. Not that I have full knowledge of who he is yet. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Okay, so what he's saying is, I haven't arrived yet. Okay, so I haven't reached my destination yet. I haven't gotten there yet where I fully know Christ yet, that I have fully known who he is yet. But I make that my goal. I'm going to press on towards that goal. And actually, that's the reason that Christ took a hold of me. The reason he took a hold of me was for that very purpose, that I would know him, that I would see him, that I would have an intimate relationship with God that I would be found in him, that he would know me and I would know him in an intimate way. That's why Jesus took a hold of us. And he's saying, that's what I want to take hold of. Verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. So again, he says, I haven't gotten there yet, which means what? Which means he's confident that he will. And we all will. We all will reach that fullness when we go see him, okay? So once we get to heaven, we'll have the whole thing. We'll have it 100%. But while we're here on earth, we won't have it in full. But what I always like to say, I want as much of it as possible, okay? We have everything available for us, for us to be able to know Christ and for him to be intimate with us and for us to know him. But we're going to try to see if we can have as much of it as possible. And he gives one good way to be able to do that. He says, not that I have yet hold, had, excuse me, laid hold of it of yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching towards forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so there's two parts of this. He says, one, I'm leaving behind, I'm forgetting the things in the past, and then two, I'm looking towards this goal ahead uh, in the future. Okay, so forgetting what lies behind and looking towards what is ahead. So we're going to look at both of those things. So let's look at the first half, which is forgetting what lies behind. Now, I don't know about you. Everybody kind of has a different personality in terms of time, right? So some people are more like present-oriented. They just like 
look at today. That's it, right? Some people kind of are focused a lot on the past and, and the mistakes and the things that have happened in the past. And some people are more future-oriented, right? Uh, my senior pastor at my previous church was like that. Like, I remember we were at some kind of big event that our church was holding. And then I was talking to him beforehand about uh, this event that we're holding. And then I asked him, oh, are you kind of getting ready? You're ready for what's going on? He's like, I'm already past that. <laughs> I'm already past this event. I'm already thinking about the next thing that's going to come out from this event. And I was like, wow, that's totally not me. I'm very present-oriented, right? I just think about today. Like, if you ask me what I did yesterday, I'm like, mm, I don't know what I did yesterday. <laughs> if you ask me about it, what's happening in the future, I'm like, I don't know. I'll wait till I get there, right? But some people are past oriented. And what I mean by that is they think a lot about what's happened, okay? And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's valuable. It's valuable to think about the past, right? They say that history repeats itself because we don't learn, right? We don't learn from the things that have happened in the past. And in fact, when you read the Bible, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, talks a lot about the past, talks a lot about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, talks a lot about how they were slaves in Egypt and got delivered from that, and talks a lot about the things that have happened in the past and a lot of history. So there's value in that. There's value in looking what happened in the past and learning from it, looking what happened in the past and seeing what is God doing through it, what has God done through those things. There's value in that. And we're all impacted by our past. We're all impacted by things that have happened to us, whether it's things that happened this past week or this past year especially or early in our childhood, our 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in the past, we're all impacted by things that have happened to us, especially significant things, especially things that have really hurt us, our successes that we've had. We're all kind of shaped by things that have happened in our past. And like I said, there's value there. That's very important to be able to look in the past and see, God, what were you doing? How were you working in my past? How are you leading up into how I am today? How are you going to use the things in the past? How will you redeem the things in the past? How can I learn from the things in the past? Okay? So those things are very valuable. But what Paul is saying here is, don't be a prisoner of your past. Don't let those things have a hold on you. Don't let those things determine what your future is going to be. Just because you've experienced failure before, just because you've experienced different things in the past, it doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be going forward. It doesn't mean that's what it's going to be today. It doesn't, that doesn't determine how it's going to be tomorrow or the next day or the next day after that. And I think a lot of times we have problems with this. And the Lord's been actually addressing this in my life. He's been asking me, to really consider how I let the things that have happened in the past and what's happening now determine what I think is going to happen in the future. A lot of times we look at what hap has happened in the past and different things that we've gone through, different mistakes that we've done and different failures that we've had or different hurts that we've gone through. And we say this, I don't want to have that again. I don't want to have that again. And so a lot of what we're doing is a reaction to what happened in the past. A lot of what decisions we make today are a reaction because of things that have happened in the past. We look at that and say, I don't want to experience that, or I don't want to go through that hurt, or I don't want to make those mistakes. And so we react by doing the opposite thing. Even if we don't think, even if those things are not actually the right thing to do. 
right? We react by looking, looking what happened here and say, I'm just going to do the complete opposite. Even if that's not what God wants us to do. This is where Paul is talking about here and saying, this is where the past becomes more of a hindrance or more of shackles or more chains on us than is really beneficial, that really serves us. And this is what Paul is saying you need to leave behind. You can't let the past determine your future. God determines your future. And that's what he was asking me. He was asking me this question, can you envision a future where I exist? Can you envision a future where I actually make a difference? Can you envision a future where the current things that are happening to you is not going to happen in the future because I'm still here. I'm on the throne. I work. I do. I change things. I transform things. I make all things new. If I really exist, what kind of future would that look like for you? If God was real, if God is really active, if God is really God, what kind of future are you looking at? Are you looking at a future only determined by your past, only determined by what you have done before? And is that going to determine what you think is going to happen in the future? When you look at all the things that you've done and you feel like this is all I can do right now, is that going to determine what you think you're going to do in the future? I hope not. And I hope not for your sake. And I hope not for my sake too. And this is what Paul is saying. I haven't gotten my goal yet. But one important thing for me to, in order to get my goal, I need to forget what lies behind and to not let those, those things have a hold on me. Instead, I need to press on towards the goal. I need to look towards what God is calling me to. He says, I want to press on towards the goal of the prize. This is a prize that God has for us, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that God has a wonderful destiny and a call upon every person's life. This is what we need to set our eyes on. This is what determines our future. This is what determines our present. This is what determines our perspective is the call on God on your life. That he is the one who's faithful. He is the one who's calling you. This is the one that's going to determine what you're going to look towards, what you're imagining for your future. This is where our focus needs to be. Don't be chained by the past. Look towards the high calling that God has placed on your life. He goes on and he says, Let us therefore, as many are as perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, if you have a different attitude... God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk in or walk according to the pattern you have seen in us. Okay, so in these next couple of verses, uh, Paul is saying, basically, I'm going to do this, follow my example. So it's kind of bold of him, right? He's boldly saying, he's like, I want you to follow my example. And I want you to follow the example of other people. Other people who are walking like this too. Other people that are really pursuing the call of God on their life. I want you to follow their example. Okay? This is where it's really important to not just see this for yourself, but to see that for us as a body. Right? We're going to pursue this as a church. That's where small group is really important. That's why it's important to be in a small group together where we're going and we have one mind in one direction in pursuing this. 
Now, when you think about this, this is really important because sometimes it's easy to lose sight of this. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of what God has for you. But it helps when you're together with other people. And this is what Paul's saying. Follow my example. Follow the example of all these people around us that are doing the same thing. And then I think he comes on to this next verse, which I think is going to be really important. Uh, oh, actually, let's look at this verse first, in verse 18 and 19. So, but for many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Okay, so he talked about a positive example, and then now he's looking at a negative example. Okay, and you can think about who is in those categories. Okay, you can think about who is a positive example in your life. Who has God put in your life that you feel like those people are following God? Those people are pursuing Christ and knowing him. And then you have this other group of people that are not doing that, that are really a source of discouragement. They're really a source of anxiety. They're really a source of, of really bringing you down, right? And we all know those kind of people. And we are ourselves one of those kind of people, right? Either we could be on this side, this positive side, or on the negative side too, right? And Paul is saying you need to align yourself with those that are on the positive side. And we can't control everything, right? We can't control, like, who's at our workplace and what they do and what they choose. And we don't choose our own family, right? That's not something that we get to choose, right? But we can choose who to align ourselves with, right? And how we are going to receive and react, especially to those on the negative side. Those that are on the negative side that are always... Um, complaining or always having a bad attitude or a negative attitude, how is that impacting us? Or how are we impacting them, right? And this is what Paul is saying. There's positive examples and there's negative examples. And we need to pay attention. And we need to try to invest more of our time on the positive side. And ourselves, we need to be on the positive side. We need to be along that side too. We need to be a positive influence on others instead of a negative influence over others. Because it's easy if you're surrounded too much by the negative to be like that yourself, right? And for you to join in that and for you to be a part of that. And instead of being an influence a positive way, we're just actually stirring that up and increasing that as well. And so we need to see what Paul's example here. There's a positive side and there's a negative side. Okay, then this is the verse that I was talking about. Okay, so then Paul closes this and says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Okay, so this verse is very important to understand this whole thing. So forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead and really reaching for the prize of the high call that God has. What, what's the high call that he has for us? It's heaven. That's the high call he has for us. In fact, he says that our citizenship, sorry, I can't say that word, citizenship is in heaven. Okay? And this is kind of a hard concept to kind of understand what this really means. Right? And it's interesting. Okay, so the Olympics are going on right now. 
And so I haven't been watching too much, but I've been kind of watching like different highlights and stuff. But it's kind of fun for me because I get to root for two countries, right? So I root for the United States, but I also root for Korea, right? So my ethnicity is Korean, but my nationality is American, right? Korean-American. So I get to root for both. So it's kind of fun, right? I get double the chance to, to cheer and to see for like medals and stuff like that. But it's interesting because I'm a citizen of the United States, okay? But, you know, I come from an immigrant family. So my parents immigrated from Korea to the United States, and I grew up with immigrant parents. And so I had immigrant parents, but I was a citizen of the United States. But my experience of being a citizen of the United States wasn't the same as everybody else that I grew up around with. I didn't really have a strong sense that I was American, right? Even though that I was born here, even though that I was raised here, even though I went to school here, Still, I felt kind of divided, right? I didn't feel fully American, and then I didn't feel fully Korean, right? I kind of felt mixed, right? So when we think about Paul, what he's saying here, and that our citizenship is heaven, if you have a similar type of experience to I do, then you kind of understand what Paul is getting at here. In fact, look at this next verse. This reminds me of a verse in 1 Peter 2.11. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, uh, this is the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. He says it a little bit more plainly here. Okay, So in the Philippians passage that Paul says, our citizenship is not in the United States. Our citizenship is not here in the U.S. Our citizenship is actually in heaven. So when we're thinking about us being in the United States, really, it's what 1 Peter 2.11 says, that we are just temporary residents here. We have like a green card. We're just a temporary resident. We're actually foreigners here. Okay? And I shared my example because I think we can kind of get a grasp of what Paul is talking about here. That when we're here on earth, we are just temporary residents. This is not our permanent home. Why is that important? Because if you think your citizenship is here on earth, then that's going to drive all your goals. That's going to drive your perspective. Are you here for earthly things? What's, what are your goals? Is your goal, I'm a citizen of America, so I'm going to have the American dream? I'm going to have a house, and I'm going to have a family, and 2.5 kids, and I'm going to have a dog, and I'm going to have a white picket fence. Is that our goal? If you only think yourself is a citizen of the United States, then that might be your goal. Your goal is to try to pursue that. Your goal is to try to find a good job so you can have all that. Your goal is to find, make enough money so you can pursue that kind of goal. What is your goal? Your goal is going to be determined by your worldview. Your, your goal is going to be determined, what am I, where am I a citizen? What do I belong to? Where, what's my purpose? Is your purpose here on earth? Is this your permanent residence? Is this all you have? And if this is all you have, then you're going to pursue that. And when things go wrong on the earth, it's going to really devastate you if you think this is all you have. If this is all you have and this earth and this life is all that there is, then the things that go wrong in your life on earth are going to be overwhelming to you. It's going to be so discouraging and devastating to you if you think this is all we have. Paul is saying, this is not all we have. 
We are temporary residents here. Our permanent residence is with the Lord. Our permanent home is with Jesus. We are citizens of heaven. That's where we belong. That's where our home is. That's even where we currently are. It's kind of hard to, to wrap your mind around it, but Paul says that our spirit is actually in heaven with Jesus. Now, it's kind of hard for me to imagine, like, okay, my spirit is in heaven, but I'm here on earth. Like, I don't even get how that exactly works, but that's what the Bible says. Even now, our spirit resides with God in heaven. That's where we belong. That's where we are made for. That's what we're made of as a believer. We are citizens of heaven. We have an eternal life, an eternal destiny, eternal future, eternal, not temporary, eternal. That needs to set our goal. That needs to be drive all of our other goals. They need to go and to serve our biggest goal, which is I need to have these serve the kingdom of God. I don't belong. My allegiance it doesn't belong to the United States. You know, in, in school they make you do the Pledge of Allegiance. Have you ever done the Pledge of Allegiance? You're pledging your allegiance to the flag. You're pledging your allegiance to this country. And you recite those things. And you declare your allegiance is to this country. And in some respects, there's some truth in that, right? We, in, we live here. We enjoy the freedoms here. You know, so we pay our taxes, even though we complain about that. We belong here. We follow the rules. We're trying to be a citizen of the United States. And so there's some aspect where that's true. But... As believers, we know that's not the ultimate truth. We don't pledge our allegiance to the United States. We pledge our allegiance to the Lord. We don't pledge our allegiance to the flag. We pledge our allegiance to the cross. We pledge our allegiance to the king. We pledge our allegiance to the true king who rules and reigns, whose kingdom that we belong. We're kingdom citizens. You know? This is my earthly home, and I'm a citizen in the United States that way. But really, I'm a citizen of heaven. That's my residence. That's what I'm made for. And so for you, if you live on this earth, and you're feeling tension, and you're feeling like discouragement, and you're feeling like, man, things just don't fit right, good. It's not supposed to fit right. Because this is not your home. If you're going through things and you feel like, man, things don't just, it doesn't feel settled inside. It doesn't feel right. Everything doesn't feel like connected and everything feels off and all these things don't seem to satisfy. Good. You're experiencing the truth of what the Bible says. This is not your home. Because it's not your home, you should never feel at home. Not completely. Right? God gives us grace. He gives us grace to be able to experience his joy and presence here on earth. But this earth is not our home. And this is what Paul is saying. I set my eyes. I forget what's behind. I don't let that determine my future. I look ahead to see the high call that God's given me to rule and to reign with Jesus in the heavenly kingdom where I'm a citizen and where I truly belong. So I pray that this, this morning that we would hear that 
and that we would really take that to heart. So why don't we pray right now? So Father, we ask that you would lift up our eyes because sometimes our eyes are too low. Our sights are too low. We can only see things so on this lowly earthly basis. We can only see the things around us and the people around us. We get so consumed with the things that are happening on this earth. So Lord, I pray right now that you would lift up our eyes and lift up our hearts and lift up our spirits so we can see higher. We can see the true reality that we can see that we were not made for this earth. We were made for you, to be with you forever. So I pray that you would help us to acknowledge that and to really embrace that we are citizens of heaven. That's our home. And so I pray that you'd increase that longing and our desire to come and to see you and to be with you and to be intimate with you, not just in heaven, but right now. We have that in Jesus, so we can have that now. So I pray that you would uh, do that and minister to us uh, and really speak that into our lives this week. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.